everybody. Welcome to the Book Leads Impactful Books for Life and Leadership. I'm your series host and leadership performance coach, John Jaramillo. This podcast series is about getting to the books that have impacted the lives of the people in my network. So these are great leads that I'll be interviewing on these books. I want to know which book it was that's contributed the most or at least a lot to who they are, what they do, and the value they create. And the three types of books I'm covering for this series are books that my guests are telling me about that I haven't read, books that we've both read, whether we did it before this series or specifically for this series. And then the third category is books that my guests have published or written. Uh, in this particular episode, my guests will share a book that ha- they found has provided a lot of insight and motivation for them, for him, to make changes in his life. For this episode, my guest is Greg Hammond, and Greg is a financial coach, author, and speaker who's on a mission to make a positive impact on people's lives. As chief executive officer of Hammond Isles Wealth Advisor and co-founder of Plan Giving Strategies, Greg leads a team of professional financial coaches that educates and empowers investors to think differently about money and inspires them to design the kind of life that they want to live. Greg speaks at national conventions, estate planning councils, religious and nonprofit organizations. Based on his book, You Can Do More That Matters, he's been invited to appear on radio shows across the country. Greg co-hosts the Your Money, Your Purpose, a radio show and podcast hosted on ESPN Radio 79.9 FM, New Radio WPOP 1410 AM, uh, 100.9 FM, just so you make sure to get it uh, wherever you can, <laughs> and the iHeartRadio app. He writes for The Streets Retirement Daily and has appeared on CNBC on the topic of succession planning, The Wall Street Journal on earning income while making a gift, and the Hartford Business Journal Nonprofit Notebook for Planned Giving. As a graduate of Miami University with a BA in accounting, Greg is a certified financial planner, professional, and a certified public accountant. And he's an avid golfer, runner. He lives in West Hartford with his wife. And he and I were just talking about just all the posts. Everything that I just listed, I, I said you know, before we started that I was just always seeing what Greg was up to on social media, whether it was his role in Hammond Isles, uh, hosting his podcast, which he was gracious enough. He and Scott were gracious enough to have me as a guest uh, a couple months ago, or it may be even further back just because everything's kind of a blur. His volunteer work his church work, his commitment to all these different organizations in the Harvard community. So I'm grateful that he does so much for everybody that's a citizen in this area and everybody that's getting that great message. So thank you, Greg, for sitting down with me with this conversation. My pleasure, John. I'm thrilled to, to be with you, especially when it comes to, to talking about books, because uh, that, that it, it's kind of like a kid in a candy store. I had a hard time uh, thinking about exactly what we might talk about today. Well, you know what? Keep in mind those other books because I, I've I've come across the same situation with other guests where they've said, you know, I just you can't just make me pick one. So, <laughs> like I've said, we can discuss this one. I can go off, do a couple more, and then come back. I mean, there's so many different books, obviously, with so many great lessons, and everybody just has a different voice of what they draw from those books. So, no, 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 it, it's not going to be a cutoff. We can definitely cover other books. <laughs> Great. Greg, why don't you, I, I gave you a great bio, thorough bio, great career. Why don't you give me a, a little bit of a breakdown of the roles that you uh, hold today in the different uh, organizations and projects that you're working on? Mm-hmm. Sure. So uh, my, my primary role, besides being uh, a loving husband and a devoted father, is to uh, be the uh, financial coach and the chief executive office of Hammond Isles wealth advisors. Um, So we are an independent uh, financial coaching firm that works with families across 31 different states uh, on really making a difference on living a life of purpose uh, and achieving the retirement that they want to live. Uh, As kind of a a sister company to that, uh, and you mentioned in my bio, uh, we formed a company called Plan Giving Strategies. Uh, What we saw as a need is that many nonprofit organizations that are focused on giving today have a challenge in that they don't dedicate time for what we call planned gifts or gifts that come about in the future. And so our organization, Plan Giving Strategies, can work as a consultant or fill that gap for many 
smaller or nonprofit organizations that need a little bit of assistance. And that is actually what kind of led to me writing my own book, You Can Do More That Matters, in that in doing presentations on behalf of nonprofit organizations, what I found is that I can only speak to so many people. So why not uh, take that presentation and the conversations I was having at that time and continue to have and put it in a book form so that it can be shared with many more people. Uh, and for me, as you mentioned, my belief or my purpose in life is to make a positive impact in people's lives by living a life of love, generosity, and empowerment. And so one of the core beliefs and core values of Hammond Isles Wealth Advisors, as well as me individually, is that those that are more educated or informed tend to have more successful lives as well as more successful financial lives. And that's one of the reasons why, as a firm, we wholeheartedly believe in education and offer a lot of education alternatives, whether that's uh, virtual online workshops or in-person events, or as you mentioned, our weekly radio show or podcast. Uh, we're dedicated to getting good information out to people so that they can live the life that they desire. So Greg, how did you, if we could just back up, not even a little, a lot, where, <laughs> how, how, first of all, how did you end up in the field where you are, um, in the financial field? And then secondly, I'd be curious, what is it that, because I mean, you've met a lot of people in the financial field, right? Mm -hmm. But your typical person, from what I gather in the financial field, is not the same as Greg Hammond, who has the financial background, the financial role, as well as digging for that purpose that their clients should have, or that awareness of that purpose, or what it is that they want for their life, that proactivity about their finances. So what is it first that led you to the field that you're in? And then what is it from your past that built in that, that power of purpose behind that, the finances, behind your profession? So my undergraduate degree is in accounting. And as you mentioned, I'm a recovering CPA. <laughs> so uh, I, I spent close to a decade in uh, public accounting uh, working for a regional firm just outside of Washington, DC. Uh, and that's where I met and, and married my wife. And when we decided uh, to start a family and our first daughter was born, uh, we decided to move closer to at least one set of grandparents. And my wife was born and raised here in West Hartford, Connecticut. And I've always enjoyed coming to Connecticut during holidays and, and family visits. So we made the decision to move closer to at least one set of grandparents and make the move to Connecticut. And if, if just moving wasn't enough and finding a new job, I decided at the same time to make a career change. Uh, because one of the things I noticed through my work as a public accountant is I wanted to do more for people than just their taxes. You know, I, I went into accounting because I followed the footsteps of my father, um, who also was a CPA, a successful businessman, um, and a contributor to his community. And I wanted to follow his example. Uh, although we never really had a conversation around it, uh, I saw through the way that he lived his life about the importance of giving back to the community. And so I wanted to be able to help people with more than just their taxes and be able to be in a position to also leverage that to make ripples and make a greater impact uh, in the lives of not only the, the clients that I work with, but also in their communities and the impact that they have. And so that's what led me into, uh, into financial services. And I found a uh, wonderful small a boutique firm that I joined back in 1999, uh, just as a, a licensed assistant, and uh, worked my way up from there. And in 2004, the founder of the company decided to retire. And as I had moved up the ladder, had hired in 
uh, my now business partner, Scott Isles, to replace myself. And uh, the two of us put together an office, an offer, and acquired the firm from the founder in 2005. And so we've continued to grow and expand uh, our firm and the impact it has uh, for the last 16 years. And Greg, when you mentioned that you and your wife at the time had decided to go you know, towards one set of grandparents or the other, where, where are you originally from? So I was born and raised in Jamestown, New York, uh, which is in the, the far southwest corner, uh, right at the, the base of a small lake called Chautauqua Lake. Uh, many times people know Jamestown either because they've attended Chautauqua Institution or you may know it as the birthplace of Lucille Ball. Okay. Um, so that, that's the other claim up to fame. Uh, and what is it? Yeah, I always dig deep. What is it that <laughs> led you? What is it that led you to numbers in college? I guess is the, the way to put the question. Um, was it strictly from your father and just kind of being in that environment himself, uh, a numbers guy in business? I think it's always been a numbers thing. Um, I, I've, Looking at colleges, I knew I, I wanted to either follow accounting or possibly computer science and kind of searched uh, for roles. And I think what really cemented it for me was after my junior year in college, I had an internship with a public accounting firm and got to see kind of the actual applications uh, rather than kind of just the, the dry accounting yeah, courses. Yeah, that, just the, that we just the textbook. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so that kind of brought it to life for me. But I've, I've always been kind of a, a numbers guy, a, a detail-oriented. Um, so it was a natural fit for me. Amazing. I think that's a great background to kind of build into the book and what it is that you took away from it. So can you introduce the book that we're going to be covering? First, the book that we're going to be covering and what made you pick it up? How did you come across it? If you can remember, because I can mm -hmm. rarely remember like all the books I have, what it was, whether I heard about it in an article on TV, if it popped up because Amazon was stalking me. But yeah, the book <laughs> that we're going to cover and um, what made you pick it up? Sure. Well, you know, as I thought about kind of, you know, what led me uh, to this book, it really goes back to my sister. Um, she at the time probably about 12 years ago, was uh, doing some part-time work through a, a multi-level sales company that had introduced her to Darren Hardy through Success Magazine. Uh, he, at the time, was the publisher and editor of Success Magazine, and she bought me a guest subscription to the magazine. And uh, uh, back then, it was kind of nice. They actually included in every issue uh, a CD uh, of some interviews that he did that you could kind of pop into the car. Um, I, they've discontinued that uh, since we've moved away from from CDs and becoming more digital. But I, rem I remember those days, though, Greg. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> Showing our age there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, as my daughter would say, oh, that's that's so 1900s. But um, <laughs> pretty much <laughs> the way technology uh, moves. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, from that, uh, when he published uh, the book uh, in the 2010, uh, The Compound Effect, uh, I immediately grabbed a copy. Uh, you know, Darren Hardy, for those of you that may not be familiar with him, uh, being the publisher and editor of Success Magazine as well, he also ran a, a success-based uh, television station for over 25 years, had the opportunity to sit down with and interview successful people um, in business, just in life in general. And from those interviews has been able to extract kind of what made them successful. And those were the seeds that kind of created the book, The Compound Effect. And it's uh, six chapters and very bite-sized pieces sharing guidance and information about little things that can create big differences in your life. So Greg, if, if they, I mean, that's, that's relatively uh, uh, a low number of chapters, which is great because we can kind of 
um, not break them each down, but we can mention sometimes some of the books that we cover on here just to have so many chapters. It's like pick a few and then just give us some ideas. But if you could, if there are only six chapters, can you kind of run through what the titles are and just in a couple sentences, just kind of break down what the flow is of mm-hmm. each chapter and then over the course of the book, just so people get an idea of what it is the book is about, what the arch of the book is and how it, it leads the reader through the message. Absolutely. Absolutely. And certainly some some sections uh, and even chapters have multiple areas in them that, that I took away a lot of information, um, but I can certainly walk through each of the chapters and in, in, in share. And so, you know, the first chapter is just about the compound effect in action. And uh, just as a, a, a side note, I just want to say that as a financial coach, one of the things that I'm always talking about is the power of compounding. And so the, the nature of compounding, whether it's in your investments or whether it's in your habits and lifestyle, can have a tremendous impact. And it's one of the things as I talk, especially with younger investors, about the power of starting early. And one of the things in the, the book Darren Hardy talks about is compounding in different financial things in a couple of cases. And so that resonates with me tremendously. Um, there's uh, the first chapter, which is just about the, the compound effect in action, talking about compounding. Uh, he talked about an example of a magic penny. And, and I love this example. I use it time and time again is that if I were to offer you a magic penny that would double in value for the next 31 days for one month, or I would offer you $3 million, you know, which would you take? And most people probably would lean towards the, the quick and easy $3 million. But what you don't realize is that that penny compounding, doubling day after day, you know, it starts off very slow two cents, four cents, eight cents. But by the end of 31 days, you end up with $10,737,418.24. So over three times the $3 million. But it's only in those last couple of days that you see that tremendous growth that it surpasses the $3 million. And I think that's one of the challenges with compounding Uh, whether it's in investing or in our actions, in that many times it takes time before you see the fruition of your efforts. And that's certainly one of the the biggest things that has impacted my life. And in this first chapter, in talking about how making small choices can make big differences in your life. Absolutely. That just came up again. Um, or I had a previous conversation in a book club meeting I had last night on a book, uh, Atomic Habits. Ah, I don't yes. know if, if you might have read it, Greg, or mm-hmm. um, in the same vein, The Power of Habit is a is a seminal book on habits. But it, as you were talking about the compounding effect of you don't really see the differences in those first few, you know, whether it's days or steps, but as you keep going, just that the the I guess the propulsion or the the momentum of what's growing, it just explodes towards the end. But sometimes we just don't have that patience in those first couple steps to, mm-hmm. that we're not seeing changes, huge gains immediately. Correct. And, and, and I think a lot of times we think that changes have to be big in our lives or that we have to make big changes. And, you know, one of the the impacts in my life that I like to share when I'm talking about the compound effect is I sometimes say that this book may have saved my life. And um, the reason I say that is shortly after reading this book, I was in the bathroom one morning getting ready for my day and uh, you know, you may have the same experience where you turn on the shower and you got that minute or two just to let it warm up, especially in the winter time, right? Especially. And after reading the book, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, hey, I've got two minutes here. How could I make a small change to impact my life? And at that point, I decided that I was going to do push-ups. 
Um, and so, you know, that first day, <laughs> you know, I, I struggled to do maybe a couple of push-ups, uh, but then staying with it day after day, you know, got up to five, then got up to 10. And so I've gotten up to now, as I turn the shower on every day, again, tying that habit to that activity, I now do 40 push-ups every day before I get into the shower. And, you know, it, it's surprising because I just, actually just last week, I got, I got the latest uh, version of Men's Health Magazine, and I'm flipping through it. And the article that talks about the way to your healthiest body, uh, the very first thing they say is to feel younger, drop and do 40. And they <laughs> talk about a study with 1,100 firefighters where they took a study in those that were able to do 40 push-ups in one set uh, over the next 10 years had a dramatic lower uh, experience with health issues or heart issues, whether a heart attack or a stroke compared to other firefighters that were not able to do 40 push-ups. And so uh, that's why I like to say that it may have saved my life in that who knows through my heart health in doing those push-ups uh, every morning before my shower uh, could very well have kind of changed the trajectory of my life. It's so, I mean, I have so many similar examples of things that you want to achieve and it's just amazing the times that things have worked out you're right. We don't have the patience. We want instant gratification. We want to see the results right away. Uh, but it's amazing the times where it did work out. It was just kind of chipping away at it little by little. And um, there's such a danger in being turned off because you don't see those instant gains, those huge changes right away. And I come across people and myself in my past as well, uh, people that I've talked to that they do give up on things that they want because they don't see those immediate changes right away. It's amazing how much people leave on the table because they don't see those instant gains. For instance, you with your one push up or your five, some people would have said, Oh, I can only do one. I can only, and I'm not laughing at you, Greg, believe me, I don't even know what the hell I can do. But, um, it, it's just, it's amazing how much we may turn away if we don't see, if we don't feel enough gains um, in those moments. But that's worth thinking about that compounding effect that as long as you're making those incremental changes, you can gain that momentum. So I think that's an amazing example you just gave. I might even have to try that because now we're coming into the colder months. So um, yeah, I'll have to try that. Well, it's been proven by, by science. So I, I have that to back me up, but uh and th that's no, a hell I, of a sign. That, that, of that's a huge sign that you you went about doing it, you know, and you reference forty, and there it was to prove to you that even though it was just a an exercise and kind of passing time to see where you could be effective, what you could do, or what you could make the most of your time with. That's such. I don't know. I believe in in signs from the universe. So the fact that you had an article that showed up that showed you just that is powerful. Mm. So where does it go from there uh, in terms of chapters? Sure. So the second chapter is about choices. Um, and, you know, one of the things in life uh, is the quote, you know, you, you, you're born to look like your parents, but you die looking like your choices. Um, and, you know, so in life, it's a series of, of choices. And your choices are not only the things that you do, but the things that you don't do. So not doing something uh, is also a choice. And so it talks about those choices that we have in life in, in a daily situation. And unfortunately, many people, our subconscious makes most of our choices for us. We go through life just kind of drifting, following the things that become routine it's kind of like driving to the office and you get there and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I don't even remember how I got here. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. The trip Cruise is control. just because your, your brain's on, on autopilot. Yeah. And, and the same thing holds true for our lives. And so it's taking 100% responsibility for our life and the impact that we have with it. And then what are some of those small choices that we can make to make a difference? And it can be just a small thing. And 
one of the stories that he does, Darren Hardy shares in his book are, you know, the choices between three friends that one friend, you know, comes home in the evening, uh, eats a lot of junk food and just sits and watch several hours of television. Uh, another friend, you know, does some moderate exercise and, and maintains and another person, you know, really focuses on eating healthily. Well, as we talked about the compound effect, you know, over the first 18 months, you don't see much difference between the three friends, but just a, a few hundred calories a day over time builds up. And then that's when you all of a sudden see that, start to see that compound effect. And so that's just one example, but uh, whether it's our diet, our health, or just our relationships uh, or our financial future, it can all start by our choices. Yeah, Greg, and the full title of the book is The Compound Effect, Jumpstart Your Income, Your Life, Your Success. So so the examples, the way that he does his writing is just compound effect in general. And he applies it to income, he applies it to life. So it's not a financial book, but there are financial examples. Um, mm -hmm. But then there's a lot of life examples as well. It's a good mix of everything. Yeah, it's a good mix of everything. And in you know, one of the other examples he shares when it comes to choices is the ability to kind of readjust uh, in that he talks about the example of a, a plane taking off from Los Angeles, heading to New York. If it's only just a fraction of one degree off and the pilot never corrects the path of that plane, that plane could end 150 miles you know, away from its destination just by that small fraction of a, a change or choice. Yeah. And so the same thing kind of plays true in our lives and the decisions that we make. Yeah, I grin only because that's one of the examples that the author makes in um, Atomic Habits where he says, you may not think it makes a difference, but if you just change your behaviors 1% and it continues on, and, and he mentions that example of the pilot, that if they don't correct, but they started off just one degree off, when you follow that out, it plays out just as you said, where you can end off, you can end up uh, thousands of miles off course. So that's, that's a great example, and it paints it so clearly. And, you know, one of, one of the other things that I'll throw in from this chapter is that, you know, we, we, all, we all want to, to, to be healthy. We all want to live good lives. Um, and we want to make some changes in, in the way that, uh, that we live our lives. But it, it can be a challenge just through the, the busyness uh, on, on making those challenges. And so one of the other things that I found very powerful um, in this book is his talk about the power of why. Because a lot of times when we set a goal of, okay, I want to lose 10 pounds, it, it's not only because I, I just want to be a little healthier or, or look better to myself, um, but really where the power comes from in making a powerful stand for that choice is by truly looking at the why. And the example that Darren Hardy shares in The Compound Effect is he talks about walking across a six-inch wide plank for $20. If I were to put that plank across the floor and offer you, John, $20 to walk across it, you know, it'd be a no-brainer, absolutely no-brainer. But if I took that same plank and took it downtown and raised it up between two tall buildings that you're several stories off the ground, then that $20 doesn't quite hold that same motivation. Yeah. However, if I changed the situation and said that the building on the other side is on fire and that your children are over there, then who cares about the $20? I'm going to cross that plank to make sure that my children are safe. And so as we think about the goals and things that we may want to change in our lives, really drilling down to the power of why behind it can be a tremendous thing to motivate us to stay true to it. Absolutely. Yeah. I've thought about habits that I've changed in the past. Uh, and it can't be just a checklist of I'm going to do this. I mean, it starts with a good checklist. You know, I, I've set up spreadsheets where I change things incrementally day to day. 
Uh, but if you don't have that drive, that fire, that purpose, whatever it may be, that there's that goal that you want to get to, uh, people may have the willpower to do it without that that goal. They may, but it always fires you up a little more because you keep your eye on on what's important. So I think that's that's key is just what is driving you, what is lighting that fire under you. So thank you for for sharing that. That's a that example painted again so clearly of what your priority are, priorities are and your action now, why are you doing it? And I think a lot of people don't think about that. They, they may think I'm going to cross this plank because society says I need to, because I'll get to the ideal body weight, because I'll get to the ideal body shape. But is that enough to carry you where it's, it's the ideal path? What is it specifically to you that's going to light that fire? Mm-hmm. What's, what's next in the chapters? So the next chapter is about momentum. So you know, once, once you start making those wise choices or changes in, in your life, whatever area you're focused on, the key is then keeping the momentum. Uh, and it's kind of like use one of those old water pumps. You know, you're, you're pumping, you're pumping, you're pumping nothing's coming out. And then as soon as the water starts flowing, then you can really kind of let up and just kind of keep the pressure on and the water continues to flow. And it's the same thing with our activity in our lives on, on getting momentum in those changes. Uh, and one of the examples of that in my life is that uh, two summers ago, uh, Darren Hardy, through his community on social media, issued a challenge called the Raven Run Challenge. And he encouraged everyone to either walk or run at least one mile a day for the 90 days during the summer, just to try to kind of fight back against kind of the dog days of summer where we kind of kick back and relax. Yeah. And so I started that on June 1st of uh, 2019 and uh, either ran or, or ran, walked uh, at least a mile. And I got momentum from those 90 days and I've actually continued that through today. Um, so today will actually be day number 810 <laughs> for me that I've continued that momentum. And you know, sometimes uh, it's one of those oh no moments. I realize it's 11 o'clock and I haven't, and you haven't done mile, your mile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know from my house walking to the local post office and back, it's a mile round trip um, that I can quickly throw on some clothes and shoes and go out the door and get my mile in. So no matter the weather, I've been able to, to stay true to that. And it's partly kind of that momentum. Now I've got 810 days under my belt. The last thing I want to do is, is break that chain, you know. So it's creating that momentum in your life, uh, no matter what it may be. Yeah, he knew what he was doing where he said, listen, you just have to get to 90 days because people may think of, OK, I just have to get to those 90. That's it. That's the goal. I just have, have to achieve that space of number of times where I have to get this done. But they don't, you know, he was clever in doing that because then people they they gain that momentum like you said and and they get used to it and it becomes one of their habits it becomes one of their rituals where they're walking to the local post office at 11 o'clock at night so he was wise in setting it up that way because our minds are just going to take over and it feels like those times that we feel guilty for not working out much in the same way you felt guilty not getting to the post office um yeah, it just it's the power of momentum. And I think so many people, again, give up before they get to that to that pivotal moment. I'm sure you've I know you're a runner, too, Greg. I'm sure um, you've experienced it where I've never gotten runners high. I think I got it once. <laughs> um, and I think different people experience it differently. But it's amazing how often it just takes that one that one extra time to get you to that beyond that plateau to get you to that next level of of performance of desire of finally seeing that you've gotten that momentum it's unfortunate that it takes some time for that momentum to catch us or for us to catch the momentum well you know one of the other things that that came up for me especially um, through the pandemic is 
taking that 20 minutes or more um, to put that mile or a couple miles in uh, each day, for me, it created space in my life. So, you know, I, whether I'm running or walking, many times I'm listening to a book, <laughs> still hooked on, on more books or a podcast like yours. Uh, and, but it also, many times, I just don't listen to anything. I just go out there to, to let myself be and have some peace and quiet, uh, allowing me to kind of decompress from the day or just have some space to think about things. And I, I would highly recommend it for, for anyone, uh, whether you see it as a challenge or not, but creating some space for yourself on a daily basis, whether it's meditating or going for a walk, um, can be a tremendous asset. Yeah, I think so many people forget about that part where they think that being productive means that you have to be doing something. They think that being efficient with your energy means you have to be performing with that energy and they forget about that recharge. And it's not just a recharge of being separate from other people, but also from your social media, from uh, the attention you might may give some something, whether it is because uh, you've said so yourself that sometimes you do it in silence just because you're not you're taking time where you don't need, necessarily need to focus on something. So it's not listening to a book, it's not listening to a podcast, but there's something to be said about going back to zero where it's just kind of mm -hmm. silence, you're there with yourself, you have your solo time and rebuilding from there. Yeah, I think uh, the combination of movement and nature for me um, creates my most creative self. It's when I have the opportunity to think and be creative uh, and if you don't create the space for that, uh, then I think many people are li living lives with less creativity and uh, that they could. Have you noticed for yourself? I mean, I'm, I'm making my own assumptions that I have the answer, but have you, did you, once you started practicing specifically when you would take that solo time of just quiet, not really listening to anything? And once you gain that appreciation you just shared with us, did you see your performance in other areas pick up, enhance, evolve because of that solo time that you would have? Um, absolutely. I mean, there have been, um, whether it's ideas for our radio show or podcast or um, trying to think about uh, just some general thoughts to, to share. Uh, through social media and through the other content that, that I'm always working on creating. Uh, it, it's always uh, a blessing to have that, that time and to think. So what do we have in the chapters after Momentum? So after Momentum, we talk about influences. And this is something that uh, I talk a lot about when it comes to your financial health is that the people and the information that you allow into your life can have a huge influence on you. Um, Jim Rohn, one of the mentors to Darren Hardy, um, used to say that your income will be a direct inf uh, reflection of the five people that you surround yourself with. And I believe that's true. And Darren Hardy talks about it in the compound effect that it's true across all your uh, life, all your facets, whether it's uh, having successful relationships. If you surround yourself with people that have been successful in relationships, you're going to kind of have some of that rub off on you. If you surround yourself with people that uh, exercise or uh, on a regular basis, you'll probably find yourself exercising with them or uh, whatever it may be, you're going to be influenced by the people around you. Uh, as well as the information that you let into your into your life. And it's amazing when when you read books like this, uh, you can go back into your own life, you know, from as far back as you can remember, maybe starting as a teenager when you were really developing relationships. And you can probably prove that point just based on the people that were in your life at that time and what you were doing. Do you think, have you found mm -hmm. that in your own life when you go back, you say, okay, this time where I wasn't as productive as I should have been or wasn't achieving what I wanted, maybe I wasn't with the right mix of people or whatever your environment, did you did you find that in your own life? Uh, absolutely. 
Um, and you know, it's interesting. Uh, I like to, to share uh, a story of my business partner, Scott Isles, in that he used to listen to talk radio coming into the office in the morning. And he would find out by the time he got here, he was really angry. <laughs> you know, he'd oh, yeah. come in, he's angry because that's kind of what they use in talk radio a lot of times to kind of get you to listen and, and keep you in tune. <laughs> and, you know, you know, the same thing goes for the majority of news programs is that they use fear. And that yeah. one of the things that our brain is always looking for is to preserve and have our own self-survival. Um, and so they can tap into that through fear. And uh, some people feel anxious or concerned about the future, but yet they leave the news on all the time in the background and wonder why they feel that way. So we can take a look at what are the, the news sources and the information that we're allowing into uh, our brain and into our lives uh, not only people, but also uh, that information that can influence us. Yeah, I grinned only because a friend of mine had sent a meme that said something like, I turned off the news. It was too stressful. So I turned on a good murder mystery. Just be, <laughs> you know, and she she's into like those whodunit kind of things, murder mysteries, trying to catch serial killers and all that. And that meme is exactly her life. Like she can't watch the news based on everything that's going on in the world, but she'll watch something about Ted Bundy or, or, or Jeffrey Dahmer. So, um, but it, it's, it's funny because my question was about who you surround yourself with and, and you had mentioned Scott and just listening to talk radio, but that shows that it's not only the relationships, but it's, you know, nowadays, obviously, Greg, you've seen, um, and the, in the example with Scott, it's, you have to be careful with what what you surround yourself, not just with people. And it's funny that that example, Jim Rome, when he gave that or Roan, when he gave that, there was no social media. You know what I mean? There was no yeah. streaming. There was no, you know, 300 channels that you had access to. I mean, it was probably the, the old Gerald box that had like, you know, 20 channels on it for cable. <laughs> Yeah. And now it's evolved so much. We're overstimulated. We have instant gratification uh, that now it's not even only about the people you surround yourself. But the great example you gave, you have to pick and choose what you're what you're viewing, what you're listening to, what you're giving your attention to. So that it, it's it's amazing that his example, you have to extrapolate that because technology is technology has just gotten out of control. It's proliferated so much. Mm hmm. And it I has. I think I've done that. I mean, sometimes I just shut off. I don't go to social media just because there's just too much to focus on. And you just kind of need that Zen time to to, to calm down just from the, all that overstimulation. Well, and, it, and it, goes, it goes back to those choices again. Um, and it, it's taking that, that time to really... Uh, appreciate and have the things in your life that really matter. And I think that's one of been one of the silver linings of the pandemic. Uh, although we've been more isolated uh, through quarantines and social distancing, uh, we have had opportunities to uh, create new communities, new relationships, um, just like the, the two of us uh, meeting, uh, as well as um, just having opportunities to really see the value of the family and the people in our lives that we truly care about. Absolutely. I, I keep saying that this, this, this show, this series that I'm doing right now is, is a silver lining in this pandemic because it, it got me, you know, and I had met you, Greg, about over a year ago. I met you online in an online discussion and forum group. At that point, it was create what's needed. Um, and yet another example of somebody I haven't met in person. I don't think we've met in person yet. Right, Greg? Well, you came into our studio. Oh, you that's were right. Our guest. <laughs> yes. Yes. So we... Sorry that, that, yeah, I forgot about that, but most people I haven't met in person. Um, and it, it's, it's shown us what we have. We have that responsibility with that technology. We have the responsibility to determine who we want to be around, who we want to um share ideas with and and 
yes, I did forget that uh, we had met. I apologize about that, but that's um, all right. Uh, but you and I, we need to surround ourselves uh, a few more people with hair. Is, is kind of <laughs> what we need to do. <laughs> yeah, the screen is just light bouncing off my head. Like <laughs> all right, so I think that was chapter four on influences. So that was I think uh, I, chapter five. So there's five. one okay. left, one more, uh, and that's acceleration. Um, and so certainly that's the power of the compound effect is over time as these small changes and choices add up, you then are able to accelerate the change because it's compounding over time. Yeah. And that's that point. That's what people need to realize is how much, again, giving up before you reach that momentum and then not being able to make it to that point where you can see that version of yourself, that version of that goal that you wanted to achieve. Um, did he give any, I'm, I'm sure he gave examples in the book of what that might look like, just to have a couple examples to, to give people about what that looks like in life? Well, one of the, the examples that I, I point to in life is, you know, through social media and a, a lot of information that we bring in, we see these people that all of a sudden become superstars. You know, they're widely known. Uh, even in Darren Hardy's example of his own personal journey, the influence that he has now is tremendous, but it's only after years of putting in the hard work to write the book, to create the events and the content that it, it has then created the, the traction and the momentum that he has now. And it's the same thing. We we see these people that become either famous or successful, and it seems like an overnight ordeal. But really, many times there were years of hard work that went unnoticed behind the scenes that made that possible. Uh, one of the things that Darren Hardy does talk about in the book is, is about luck and that luck isn't necessarily just having an opportunity fall in your lap, but it's the preparation leading up to that. So when you do have that opportunity, you're prepared to take advantage of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just kind of thinking of those examples. So Greg, have you, have you, I don't know if, I don't know if this is too personal of a question. Have you reached your definition of success? Or do you feel you're still working towards it? Because, I mean, success means so many things to so many different people. Well, and if, know, it's, if in, it's too personal, just let me know. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a great question. And, you know, one of the things that I've taken away, not only from some of the events I've attended and some of the trainings I've gone through, as well as many books that I've read, um, you know, I, I point to uh, you know Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. One of the exercises that he points to in that book is running your own obituary. And I think that's one of the challenges and one of the things that I strive for, even as a financial coach, uh, is people don't take time to pause and reflect on, well, what does success look like? You know, we're on this... Uh, hedonic treadmill of wanting more, 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 uh, getting busier and busier. But is that really what success looks like? And, and for me, um, you know, I've written my obituary. Uh, I've, I've read it and I actually have a recording of it that I can listen to. Um, and I'm happy to say that, that yes, I would consider myself having a successful life by the, the people that I love and I've influenced in my life at this point. Um, certainly, I think that it's always a, a moving uh, goalpost in, in that I'm always striving to do more <laughs> like yeah. everybody else, yeah. to have a greater influence <laughs> and a bigger impact and, and impact more lives. Uh, but uh, if, if I were to, to die today, I, I would die a happy man feeling that, that I did leave the world a better place from being here. Amazing. So when you say your obituary was recorded, did you recorded it yourself or somebody else? <coughs> um, actually, <laughs> you know, again, I went through some training uh, several years ago. I'm called to become a true wealth consultant. 
Okay. Uh, because I believe that your wealth is more than just your financial picture. There's actually three dimensions, your, your social impact as well as your personal impact. Um, but part of the training and going through that is that you would, we wrote our obituary and they actually rented a casket. And I know this kind of sounds a little freaky and, and it was, and you actually lay down in it while somebody read your obituary. Huh. So you talk about a, a powerful experience. Um, it, it's wow. a little weird and certainly not everybody did that, but um, when uh, the person leading the workshop read my obituary, it was recorded. Um, so I have that recording that I can go back to as well as I have it in print. And certainly it's an ever-changing document. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's so probably so much different now than it was then. Mm -hmm. um, and you got in the casket? I, I, I did. I did. I think I that's did. an amazing exercise because like anything else, we, we not that death is a goal, but when we picture some point in the future, because we've, we've talked about how would we want to be remembered at the end of our lives and what do we want to be remembered for? So when we talk about goals and who we want to be, whether it's in better shape, whether it's a college graduate, whether it's a CEO, whatever it may be, the hardest part is that we're not in those shoes. So we don't necessarily have that feeling. And typically that feeling can bring more, okay, now I felt what that's like. Now I want to get there. I want to feel that all the time. Again, mm -hmm. it relates a little bit to this casket uh, situation because you don't want to be there. But how often can we really say, you know, you always say when I'm on my deathbed, I want to look back and think about whatever it may be that I wanted to accomplish. That's as close as you're going to get to that to that scenario while still having, knock on wood, a full life ahead of you, a full great life, and still say, okay, I've been in that position. I, I get a sense of what that may feel like. And it kind of, did it change? How much did it change um, your perspective on things after that exercise? Well, it, it's, it's a matter of being grateful for every day and really putting a priority on the people and things that are important. Uh, you know, I think we all end each day with a to-do list that is long and never gets finished. And so are those things that are left on the list at the end of the day really that important that if, if they don't get done, uh, if I put them aside and, and focus on, on something that's more important to me, is, is that a better use of my time? And so I, it's a, an opportunity to reflect on that. And, you know, also just from a, a, a practical standpoint, I think that writing your own obituary, doing your end of life planning, what a wonderful gift to give to your loved ones for when that day eventually comes. Uh, because, you know, unfortunately in my role, uh, I, I see families all the time that are, are dealing with the death of a loved one. And many times you're grieving for that loss, but yet you're required to make all these decisions around, you know, what should be in the obituary? What should, um, what do they want the celebration of their life to look like? And, and so taking some time to think about that can not only be productive for yourself on kind of, creating what does success look like and what do I want to point towards and live into? Who do I want my person to become? Uh, but it also has a practical a aspect of, of providing uh, a, a legacy to those after you're gone. Absolutely. I think that's so key and so important. Um, so Greg, what are You've given some examples, the push-ups. I think the push-ups was after you had read the book, was it? Yes. So okay. let me let me give you one more lifetime example so I don't sure, end sure. up on, uh, you know, ending your podcast on, <laughs> on, on the death <laughs> discussion uh, of our obituaries. But, uh, you know, kind of around the fact of gratitude, 
one of the the examples that Darren Hardy shares in his book, The Compound Effect, is he he talks about an appreciation journal, and that for Thanksgiving one year he decided for the coming year he would maintain an appreciation journal about his wife. And for every day, he would write down something that he appreciated about her that day. And he kept it for a full year. And then on Thanksgiving day, the following year, he gave it to her as a gift that she could go back and read through all of that. And I took that to heart. Uh, and actually did the same thing for my wife, um, starting on her birthday in September and going for a complete year and then giving her that journal for her birthday the following year. Um, and there are, you know, a couple of things that immediately you benefit from doing that. One is certainly uh, the gift at the end, the, the person truly, whether it's your spouse, a friend, a family member, whoever it may be, truly gets to benefit from fully feeling and understanding your appreciation and love that you have for them. But the other thing that it does tremendously for any relationship, especially uh, with a married couple, uh, is that it then also trains you, again, these small choices on a daily basis to look for the things to appreciate rather than the things to criticize or to point to. And so it changes your complete perspective uh, in that relationship to focus on the positive. And that has been uh, absolutely a fantastic thing that I try to continue on on a daily basis, whether I'm maintaining a journal uh, or not, but to focus always on the things you appreciate people and then make sure you share it with them. Yeah, I think so often it's easy for us to gravitate towards or be impacted more by the negative that we don't take the time to look at the positive. And I especially like that exercise because so often, so often the case is that the people around us don't know what we think about them. There's only in certain situations when we're asked what we think or how to express it or maybe only expressing it on their birthday with semi-generic thoughts, mm. but it's like the everyday conversations, the everyday awareness that you know that this person is there. Uh, I think too often we don't know we don't know what people are thinking about us. We're just making assumptions. So mm. it's nice mm. to see a confirmation of where you stand in someone's heart in their life, whatever the relationship may be. So I think that's a a beautiful gesture that I might have to hijack for myself, Greg. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. All right. So aside from that, the, the and we don't have, I mean, whenever you want to jump in with anything at all, please let me know. But we're, we're not necessarily going to end here. But specifically, aside from the, the push-ups example, right, mm -hmm. what are some other specifics that you took away? Obviously, the journal as well. I mean, you've given great examples, but if there's any others that you want to mention about specific actions you took after reading this book, whether it's your life, your leadership, your work overall, any any you want to share. I mean, you gave some great examples, but if there's anything you want to share, that'd be great. Um, well, I think I think the, the only other example um, you know that I that I've done not only from from reading the compound effect, but uh, from some other coaching that I've had, and certainly uh, you know you you may coach the, the same way, John, in, in the coaching that you do on helping people improve, it, it kind of relates around what does success look like, not only for your life, but how can you boil that down into a smaller time frame in that what does the perfect day look like or what does the perfect week look like and what are the things that would be part of that? Um, and creating a checklist of, okay, I want to make sure that I carve out time to spend with my spouse or with my family members or children or uh, want to make sure that I, you know, give those comments of appreciation on a daily or weekly basis. Create the list of what that best self looks like on a much smaller scale uh, that you can then uh, use as a checklist and hold yourself accountable to uh, 
uh, throughout that. Yeah, so that you can you can really be proactive and cognizant and aware of how you show up every day in those in those everyday moments. Um, the next question is generally you've given great examples, you've broken down how it's applied to your life, uh, the great messages in the book. So if you could put it in a, a message, a compact message to somebody about what the transferable lessons are from this book that anybody in any field of any age can kind of utilize for their own life, leadership, work, how would you put that to them, the best value of this book, the best message? The way that I would summarize the compound effect by Darren Hardy is that by the miracle of compounding, it is definitely a, a, a law and a principle in our world about the compounding effect in our lives, in what we do and what we accomplish is focused on small changes, small choices can make big differences. Don't allow your current circumstances to dictate the life that you want to live, choose one area of your life and track it, make some small change or small habit, creating a bigger difference for you over the long term. And I mean, this is something that's not age restrictive. This is something that, I mean, I do a lot of work with uh, college students, graduate students. This is something, this is a, a powerful tool that they can use just in developing their career, developing their brand developing their identity. I mean, they're still so young that they, they're not feeling comfortable in their own shoes and their own, um, in their own skin, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. so I, it's just a great lesson that I think that it can apply to anybody, regardless of the age, even, even younger people, just because obviously with the power of compounding, they're getting a better head start the younger that they start. Absolutely. Especially when it comes to finances, I'll put my little plug in there. When yeah, it comes no, to and, and saving for retirement. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's what I was getting to now is just in wrapping up anything that you want to plug, share, talk and talk about your, your company, uh, what you offer, uh, your money, your purpose, whatever it is you want to share with this audience about what you're up to, your role, your company, please do. Sure. Well, before I talk about myself, I would, would like to just put a little plug in for Darren Hardy. For, for those of you that aren't familiar with him and may just want a, a little dose of inspiration and coaching on a daily basis, I encourage you to go to his website, darrendaily.com, and sign up for his daily message. Uh, it's three to five minutes in length. Um, to comes into your email box every morning to just have a little bit of inspiration and guidance on a daily basis can make a great impact and compound in your life. And as far as myself and, and Hammond Owls Wealth Advisors, as I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, we're out to really transform investing for families across three generations. We want to work with uh, the children, grandchildren, parents and grandparents of families to break down the barriers about talking about money, making sure that families work together rather than working in isolation from each other. And that all of that is based on sound financial education. And that's why we strive to offer complimentary education, both through an online educational workshop on the third Wednesday of every month, as well as a, a two-day workshop uh, called the American Dream Experience, uh, which not only takes a look at the challenges we face through the information that we're bombarded with out in the world, but also to take a pause to really look at what is your purpose for your money. Uh, so I encourage you to go to our website, which is hiwealth.com. And it'll have all the topics and dates of our upcoming online workshops. And for additional content and information, I encourage you to tune into our podcast titled Your Money, Your Purpose. And it's uh, available weekly in the Hartford, Connecticut area on ESPN Radio and WPOP. Um, but it's also available as a podcast on our website, yourmoneyyourpurpose.com as well as on the iHeartMedia app and wherever you find your podcasts. 
Um, so your money, your purpose, and you'll find us there. Yeah, and I can I can vouch for how great the the podcast is. Not because I was on it, not not because of that at all, but just because everyone go back and listen to John. He's a thank you guy. for that plug, Greg. Uh, no, really, in all sincerity, only because it's it's we know your background. It's you and and Scott, right? Uh, but it just brings so many different specialists from different areas to talk about your money, your purpose, and how it ties in. There are lessons across all these different fields that can apply to your money, to, to your life, how you carry yourself, your leadership. So it's such a wide uh, spectrum of guests that I, I, I love the value of it because you can just get so much exposure to, to, to so many different voices that I appreciate it. Um, and I'll definitely share information about it when I post this uh, online, Greg. Well, I appreciate it, John. And we'll look forward to, to having you back. Sometimes. Definitely, definitely. And yeah, same here. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about what other book we can, we can cover on here. Uh, but thank you for sitting down with me for this conversation on the compound effect, jumpstart your income, your life, your success by Darren Hardy. I really appreciate it, Greg. If there's anything that I might have missed, uh, something that I should have covered, something that I should have asked uh, <laughs> Greg, and because uh, I put him on the spot, but there, if there's anything <laughs> that I might have missed uh, that you're curious about, just reach out to me. I'll reach out to Greg, uh, make some connections if need be. I'll post all his information about his company, uh, the podcast on anywhere where I post this, the video and the audio. But in the meantime, thank you for watching and listening. Subscribe where you're watching and listening. Thank you, and I'll talk to you in the next episode. Take care.